Today, we're going to do a double act. Anne and I are going to be speaking on the subject of how to bring our complaints to God, looking at Psalm 54 and 142. And our goal is to let God teach us how he wants us to bring complaints to him. We're going to do four things. First of all, Anne's going to talk about Psalm 54, and then I'm going to do the same thing with Psalm 142. And then we'll talk about what we can learn about prayer in a very practical way. And we're going to end up by praying in this way. So I'm just going to hand over to Anne now, and she's going to be doing our first part. So, I was reading, I've been reading through the book of Psalms in my daily reading. And I got to Psalm 54 about, I don't know, maybe 10 days ago. I was quite excited by what I found in the psalm. And then last week, Andrew and I had the opportunity to take a course on the Psalms. This was very intense. It was all day, every day for five days. And so what you'll hear this morning is part of what I discovered when I read Psalm 54 and partly what some of the things that we learned um, from this amazing course on the book of Psalms. So we're going to start by reading Psalm 54. Psalm 54, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a masculine of David when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? Now you might notice we don't normally read that bit when we read the Psalms, we usually start straight in with all the juicy bits. But in fact, those bits are there in, in all the old copies of the Psalms, right back through to before the time of Jesus, that part is, that introductory title is verse 1 of the Psalms. And um, if, you want, if you need more proof of this, you can come and see me later, I can show you pictures. But that's verse 1. It's only in recent times that we've decided that somehow this is just an extra little bit that we can ignore. But there's useful information there, as we will see. So we'll read the rest of the psalm. O God, save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me and ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves, Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering... I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. So, obviously David's in some distress in this psalm. But if we look at what it says in the, the title, we can see that this is some time when the Ziphites were telling Saul something and when we look in the book of Samuel we can find that story in 1st Samuel chapter 23. It's it's quite it's it's quite long so we're we're just picking out the highlights here. Verse 19 then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah saying is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh on the hill of Hachilah 
and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Weren't they nice? And Saul said, See therefore and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you and if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told. So he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of my own. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of my own. So let's go back to the psalm and notice what's going on. This is what I, I noticed. This is my exciting thing when I read the psalm. I noticed that it fell into five distinct parts after the title. The first part was, David cried out to God. So we've called that part A. Ah, he cried out to God. Oh God, save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Because, so this is part B, second part, because he, he lays out the problem. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves, Selah. And then he makes this great, he has this moment of confidence. He makes this great statement, this declaration of trust in God. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. And then because this is who God is, he can actually ask God to do something. So what he asks God to do, part D, this is his actual prayer. Please God do this. He will return evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. And then he ends, part E, with a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. He almost has this prophetic word at the end that he will look on in triumph on his enemies. So let's see how this psalm, how this prayer turned out for David by looking at the next part of 1 Samuel 23. So Saul has arrived, he's searching for David. David flees because he's been told Saul is coming and Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain and David was hurrying to get away from Saul, not looking good at this point. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. And we'll see a bit later why that sentence is important. And I'm going to hand over to Andrew to tell you about Psalm 142. Yeah, so um, actually this psalm that Anne's been talking about, which is a complaint to God, we call it the, the complaint psalms or the lament psalms, it actually, um, these five steps that it has are there in 50 of the psalms. 50 of the psalms we can call psalms of complaint. And 
I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to show you another psalm which falls into this category, and that's Psalm 142. So let's just read it, and I've already put the headings in there. There's a title, which we're going to come back to in a minute, A a Skillful Song of David When He Was in the Cave, A Prayer. Ah, cry out to God. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. So things are in a pretty bad way right now. Then B, the problem. This is what the real problem he's praying about. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. What a sad state to be in. What a sad place that he is at this time. But then, there's part C, the confidence, the statement of trust I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Then D, the actual prayer, God, please do this. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. And then we end with thanks and praise. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal deal bountifully with me. So that's Psalm 142, and you can see those five parts in there. Now it turns out, as I said, that uh, 50 of the Psalms, out of 150, have got this kind of shape with the five parts to it. And um, we might say, well, what's going on here? Why do we have so many Psalms with these complaints? Um, And so the question comes up, how did the book of Psalms come together? How did we get it? Was it um, just a, a random lot that just got thrown together and they accidentally put in too many complaints without thinking about it? Well, I'm going to hand over to Anne now to talk about this. Well, sometimes we imagine the book of Psalms was just... It's just a random collection of poems, some by David, some by Asaph, the sons of Cory, and all these random people, and they just all got put together. A bit like my cookbook. This is where I collect recipes. Some of them haven't made it into the book yet, they're just scraps of paper. Recipe for cookies, followed by a recipe for chutney, followed by a recipe for pecan pie, followed by a recipe for just random things. Oh, turkey dressing, good recipe. And they're just not in any order. But the Book of Psalms wasn't just thrown together. It wasn't just added to sequentially like my, um, like my cookbook. It was carefully put together by, um, 
by, by scribes in the past. It was carefully put together with a plan, an overall plan for the whole book. It's not even like, you know, if I organised my cookbook, I'd have cake recipes, uh, turkey dressing recipes, chutney recipes. I'd have it all by category. The Book of Psalms isn't like that. It's arranged with a theme and a plan that actually goes through the whole book. Now, that's the subject of another whole talk. not going to go through that today. But um, we, as, the book has, as the book has been studied more and more by scholars, they're realising there is this definite, deliberately, deliberate plan to it. It was edited together to make a complete whole. And it's quite possible that this was done way back in the time of Ezra. I mean, that's, that's a definite possibility. And the thing is that the book of Psalms as we have it, this 150 Psalms, these are the same 150 Psalms in that order that Jesus had. It was accepted by that time that was the right number of Psalms. That was how there were this numerous complicated proofs of this. But one intriguing thing is that in Acts 13.33, where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the, uh, the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia, is he says, and it says in the second psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, and so on. So psalm 2 for Paul is psalm 2 for us. They had the same numbers. It was same book. And one of the things that we, um, one of the ways we know that this is the same is copies of the psalms were found, scrolls with the psalms on them, were found in the um, in the caves at Qumran, and they were in little they were in jars like this. This is a tiny replica of one of these jars. The actual jars were like I don't know, a couple of feet high. But this is a little clay jar that I got at the Dead Sea Scrolls exhibition at um, the ROM. I say where Qumran is. Oh, Qumran is by the uh, on the the shores of the Dead Sea, not too far from Jerusalem, and there was a. A, gr- a group of people there, a religious group there, who copied out the scriptures and kept copies of them. And there are masses of valuable scrolls from, from way before the time of Jesus that are in there. And these jars, they, they hid them in these jars, which would have had sort of dried fruit or grain or whatever in them. And in these jars were scrolls. This is a tiny replica for you. Look at this. So the scrolls... This is a replica of the longest one they found, which was 27 feet long or 29 feet long, and it was the book of Isaiah. But there are large portions. There's a long, long scroll with psalms on it. And a huge number of the psalms that we have in the book of Psalms are actually represented in these old documents. And interestingly, they have the titles of the psalms as as the beginning, as verse 1, no different to the rest of the psalm. So we have lots of evidence that the book of Psalms that we have today is the book of Psalms that they had back then. And I'm going to hand over to... Do you want to just say what... Oh, sorry, sorry. This, the pic, what we have on the screen is actually um, uh, a part of Psalm 119. Is this from that long scroll? This is from this... They found a long, long scroll of Psalms in uh, one of the caves. And this is... This is a part of Psalm 119. This is very an ancient form of Hebrew. I couldn't read it to you at all, except I know that it's Psalm 119. 
And um, so this is what they found, and there's m loads of evidence. So I'm going to hand back to Andrew to talk to you about... Complaining. Yeah, so um, that's quite amazing the way that in the, the, with the, the Holy Spirit's guidance, the Psalms were collected into this order. And so God has decided what Psalms are to be in that book. And God has decided what order they are to be in. Well, we, as Anne said, we're not going to talk about the order today, but the composition is very important. And uh, so, well, if we say, why so many complaints in the Psalms? I want to say that God is teaching us how to bring our problems to him. God is teaching us how to bring difficulties and complaints to him. But you might say, well, isn't it wrong to complain about God? Like the Israelites in the wilderness who are complaining about, you know, not having enough food or whatever. Wasn't God angry with that? There's a, a big difference because they were not bringing it to God. They were moaning to each other about this. Um, the, the key thing is that the most important thing is that we bring our complaints to him and we don't just moan about them, but we bring our complaints to him and we bring in them in a way that entrusts the complaints to him, entrusts the problem to him in a way that uh, we, un we know that he's listening. And some of the complaint psalms are brutally honest about how this, the person feels about God and feeling abandoned. You know, the one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, really, really honest. And from that we learn that God is not afraid of our honesty. God wants us to be honest, providing it's him that we're being honest with. God is not afraid of robust prayers. He actually has put all of these prayers, some of the most brutally honest ones, into the book of Psalms for a purpose to show us that he's okay with us being very, very honest with him and how we're feeling. And so I'd just like to go through those five st uh, steps that we've seen before. The first is a cry out to God. And you know, we've, we wanted to make them a way that you can remember. So we've, we've given them these short A, B, C, D, E names, so you can remember them and you can try them out later. So A is just cry out to God, God, help me, help, please listen. Uh, and then B is the actual, is the problem, it's not the pr request, it's the problem. Because things are a mess, because with David, these people are trying to kill me, you know, what's going on right now? Then there's a really interesting thing that happens, because C is a statement of confidence in God. And when you're reading them, if once you realize this way this goes through, you'll see, sometimes quite surprisingly, you switch from this complaint to the psalmist saying, but you I trust. Sometimes saying, but in past times you helped me. You've been my faithful rock. You're my, you're my savior. You're the one who's helped me in the past. And a statement of confidence in God, which is really, really important. And this is one of the crucial elements of this kind of psalm. Only then does the prayer come. Only then do we tell God or ask God what we want him to do. Please, God, deal with this problem. Please help me at this place. Then the other interesting thing is, Right at the end, in virtually every single one of these, we have uh, an end which praises God. 
and it thanks God and sometimes gives a kind of prophetic statement. God, I know that I will praise you in the temple. I know that I will sing your praises. And something at the end, which is, which is just like a statement of victory, and thanks to God for hearing this prayer. So, um, we've only given you a couple of really short examples of laments. Most of them are quite a bit longer. Some of them are very long, with a lot of detail about what's going wrong and what we need God to do. Um, but um, I, what I want to do is to give you an example of how I might use this five-step method in my prayers to God. And so I'm calling this one Andrew's Complaint. Andrew's Complaint. Ah, oh God, I'm so frustrated. Because the place I went to for help with tax last year made such a mess that it might take me months to untangle. And I don't have time for this kind of thing. And it's such an unproductive and useless waste of time. Confidence. But all my time is in your hands. And I'm your servant. You are sovereign over everything. Now we come to what I want God to do. Please, God, may this tax mess get sorted out really quickly so I can use my time doing what you've called me to do. And then we end with, I know you care about me and this issue. I will praise you and give thanks because you are good and have heard me. And that's an important thing at the end. That, no, no, God has, heard, God has heard this prayer that I've made to him. He's there, he's listening, and he cares. So, so this is my complaint then in this psalm. And um, what I'm going to do then is to hand back to Anne, and she's going to talk about the psalm that I was just doing, Psalm 142, and how it ends. And uh, we're going to, here we go, continue this. So, Andrew read Psalm 142, and it would be interesting to see what the story is in the scriptures that corresponds with that psalm, which Andrew read, uh, it said at the beginning, he read... Um, a, a skillful song by David when he was in the cave, a prayer. Skillful song is really what's meant by um, a, when it says a masculine of David. Like that was just David's word for it. It just means he's really, he's written it really cleverly. So in Psalm 142, it, can, we, can we go to that? Yeah. Um, If you remember, we ended the story of the previous one where Saul was called off from pursuing David because he had to go deal with the Philistines. And it said at the end, so David went and dwelt in the, um, uh, the strongholds of En Gedi. So he's in the stronghold of En Gedi. That's the last verse of chapter 23. Chapter 24 starts... When Paul returned from following the Philistines, so he didn't lose his focus for long, he dealt with the Philistines, and now he's Saul. back on... Saul, sorry. Saul dealt, dealt with the Philistines, now he's back on David's trail again. And um, someone has told him 
that David is uh, hiding in Engedi. I wonder who told him that, probably these Ziphites again. So Saul comes after him. Now this is a very rocky area, lots of caves and things. David and his men are in a cave. Saul and his men are passing by and Saul needs to relieve himself. He finds a handy cave and he goes in, not knowing that David and his men are in the back of the cave. Without being too graphic, he must have been squatting down. His cloak was around him. And David's men said, look, here he is. You can kill him. He's just walked right into your hands. But David had such respect for the fact that Saul was still king. God had put him there and hadn't removed him yet. And even though David knew he was to be king one day, he knew this wasn't the right thing, but he did creep up behind Saul and cut a bit off the corner of his cloak. And when Saul left the cave, David then felt remorse for even having done that and went after him and said, Saul, Saul. And when Saul turned around, David had bowed down to the ground to him and they talked and David, they talked about, you know, it wasn't, David said, I'm not threatening your life. You shouldn't be coming after me. And they talked things out and Saul did this whole weeping and he was very, very sorry. He actually said, I know you're going to be king one day. Promise me that when you're king, you won't kill off all my household. And David promised he wouldn't. And as we see later, he didn't. And so this is perhaps not the ending, not quite the answer to prayer that David might have been expecting. But Saul left him alone for now. Saul went his way and David and his men, it says, went up to the stronghold. So he didn't get killed. He was rescued at that point and something was to some extent resolved between him and Saul. So we see, again, David's prayer answered and that little bit that we read at the beginning of the psalm is quite key to us finding this in the scriptures. So I was thinking about... How I might pray, my prayer of complaint, how Anne's lament might go. And um, it started with the A, ah, was Lord, I'm coming to you because I am so fed up with these migraines. It's quite a good season at the moment. Because on the migraine days, and sometimes it's a week, it, the days just feel wasted. I'm so sick, I'm completely out of action. But then the confidence, my confidence in God is, but I know you can bring good out of bad. And so what I'm asking God to do is to rescue me from this recurring problem, to bring healing. And I can end by praising God by saying, I know I am yours and you love me, so I will praise you. So that's how I would, um, that would be my effort at writing a lament or a complaint psalm and bringing my problems to God. And I'm going to hand back to Andrew. Thanks, Anne. So we're just coming to the end now. And uh, just to reiterate how these complaints work, um, our plan for today was uh, Anne would talk about Psalm 54, I would talk about Psalm 142, we would talk about what we could learn about prayer and then end by praying in this way. So 
uh, this, I want to just say this doesn't have to be this rigid. I've given five steps. But actually, when you look at the sums, they don't always have them precisely in that order. There's a variation around that theme to a certain extent. And, but what we would like you to do is to try it this week. Try it out. Try praying to God like this. And so this is why we've used the A through E alliteration. And let's see if you can remember what they are. What is A for? Ah! Ah! So that's the cry to God. B is... Because. Because. C is... Confidence. Confidence. D is an easy one to remember. It's do. It's what you want God to do. And E is very easy to remember because it's the end. And you end by... Praising God. Praising, giving thanks and praise to God. So that's how it goes. And so we would... In fact, if any of you want to email us your prayers, we would love it to see what you've you've done, what God's given you. Um, And uh, we'd love to pray it with you. And, uh, you know, who knows, we might end up with a whole collection of them, our New Life Church Book of Psalms. But uh, anyway, um, so what I'd like to do is to just close in prayer now for us at this time, particularly for the situation that we're all suffering at this time. And I'd like to close in prayer on behalf of all of us. Lord, please hear us now. We're so fed up with this COVID lockdown And some of us are anxious and stressed. But we know all these things are in your hands. So please, may this virus die away soon. And we will sing your praises, for you never abandon us. Amen.